Welcome to What the Truck Live here from Chattanooga, the heart of Freight Alley. I'm Dooner with Michael Vincent, the dude, that roguish, motley-minded miscreant. <laughs> Thank you very little, my friend. It's a beautiful spring <laughs> day here in Chattanooga, the heart of Freight Alley. My fobbing, elf-skinned, hedge-pig partner. Hey, how are you going to celebrate? <laughs> how are you going to celebrate the victory at the Battle of Puebla by the uh, Mexicans? Uh, well, I mean, maybe some tacos today. Yeah. Little tacos? Yeah. Little yeah. Ta- maybe Taco Wednesday. Veggie tacos? Oh, of course. We have a guest that's coming on today. He's cooking not... Well, maybe he'll make a Mexican Veggie, pizza. Yeah, maybe a Mexican pizza. He's cooking a pizza out in his pizza oven. That's uh, for BCB Transport. You know, if you guys have huh. been following this, you know that like I've been a Dogecoin fanboy since January. I've been on the train, yep. not to brag. Um, money is doing... <laughs> it's doing really well, though, right? It, it's, it was kicking up some to, butt the last couple of days. Hey, yes. man, peaked at 69 cents late at night last night. It's dropped down to about 62 cents right yeah. now, but you know, I'm still on my way to being a Dogecoin millionaire, so it's been nice knowing y'all. <laughs> what do you, what are you, you sold a little though. You got paper hands. I skimmed a little bit yesterday. I did. I bought, I bought some, uh, I bought some stock in a bowling company. Oh, you did. I think people are going to go. You think people think bowling's back? You think yeah. now's the time to strike? I do. No. <laughs> uh, but hey, I see I, what you did there. I know what you won't be buying. This is, this is kind of sad <laughs> news. So Peloton, and I don't know if you've heard about this. This just kind of broke uh, maybe a half hour ago. Peloton is recalling all of their treadmills, their Tread Plus and their other treadmill. Because it turns out, if you take a look at this, you can kind of see why. If you look at the, the tread on this thing, most yeah. treadmills, they yeah. have like a stop near, near the top on the level where you're running. This looks like it goes all the way around. And what it's been doing has been sucking pets underneath, uh, household objects underneath. It, I, I believe one child was um, tragically killed by one of these things. Yeah. There's also just been uh, 70 injuries from like the touchscreen falling off, people tripping on it as they're running. Ooh. A lot of bad things happening with that treadmill. Yeah, no, the worst that ever happened to me was like hurting my back or stepping on the edge. Now, that's not good. I can see from that design where they can be sucked underneath there, right? Yeah. Wow. Well, CBCS yeah. warned them over a month ago, and they said, look, this design is is dangerous. And I don't know yeah. uh, if you know that Saturday Night Live skit, like dangerous, the dangerous toys ones where it's like bag of glass. And yeah, stuff yeah, 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 yeah. They told them like, hey, look, this treadmill design, if someone is at level, they could suck them right under. Peloton said, you know what? We, I, I don't know what Peloton said. This is a no. totally made up scenario, but they spent a lot of money getting <laughs> These things here it had been held up for a while due to supply chain challenges they're reluctant to do it they've apologized now for yeah. putting it out there but again it's after a child died and, and there's been some injuries that's too bad that's really too bad that that is i mean it's really unfortunate something and these are the ones that they were air freighting in right because they were stuck well, i think they were doing the bikes but it oh, could have bikes, been the yeah. plus as well yeah. they didn't because for so long we've just sort of known peloton as the bike brand but they've they've just this year have been trying to promote this tread and this tread plus but it's off to a bad start i believe their stock was down around 10 percent this morning on that news, so hopefully they get that fixed up. Yeah, I hope they do too. That's unfortunate. That really is. That hey, really is. on today's show, fittingly enough, we are talking about safety, not treadmill safety, but we're talking about the dangers of rail crossings, whether it be mm-hmm. in feed, in your four-wheeler, or for many of you out there, in your semi-truck. Operation Lifesaver is going to join us for that. Right. BCB Transport, it's Road Check Week. He's going to talk about road driver safety and what to look out for during Road Check Week, all while making a pizza. So we'll see how that goes. I like it. I and like then, it. Uh, then we got uh, Nate Cunningham from Tesla as well. He's going to talk about supply chain procurement challenges. Many companies doing with their own, especially in the auto industry. So that'll be great to hear. And we have our own word on the beat from the wonderful Grace Sharkey. But before we get there, Michael Vincent, let's tip the band. Let's do it. 
This episode is brought to you by Legend Transportation, which has been establishing partnerships through outstanding customer service since 2007. Learn more at Tell em, Dude. Ooh, newlegendinc.com. Try to throw me a curveball. Go there right after the show, immediately. Headlines. Okay, COVID. Well, here's this. Is this just an excuse or what? COVID concerns expected to goose. Goose. Uh, Uh, Mother's Day shipping volumes. UPS survey finds. Uh, Mark Solomon reports the COVID-19 pandemic will keep many families apart this Mother's Day with nearly 30 percent of the 1,005 U.S.-based respondents to a survey commissioned by UPS saying that ongoing health and safety protocols will compel them to ship their gifts instead of presenting them in person. Yeah, in all, about 37% of the respondents said they plan to ship their Mother's Day's gift this year, according to the survey. Uh, the first that Atlanta-based UPS has ever commissioned on this holiday, right? And about 32% of the respondents said it would be easier to ship the gift than deliver it in person. Uh, probably true. Of those planning to ship, 28% said their gifts would be shipped less than 50 miles. Hey. It's interesting. Uh, did you find this interesting? The, the, I didn't do because it seemed like a lot of people were close to their home, but they're just like, you know what, mom, not not this year. It's you know, COVID, Corona. Yeah, I would expect it to be opposite. Like a lot more people are just gonna say, ah, forget, it, I'm vaccinated. Let's go. I know. I would think so too, because like we couldn't people keep people contained when no. they weren't vaccinated, and now right. like now that they're readily available in a lot of states, and I got, maybe it's just an excuse. That's what I'm I, saying. Here. I guess not I my excuse. Not mine either. Uh, the survey know. also found that shipping behavior varied between genders. See, and this is men. Sorry. This there is you the go. This is on us. It Vincent. is. 43% of men said that they would be more likely to ship Mother's Day gifts compared to only 31% of women. Mm. My wife mm. gets very guilty in those kind of situations, too. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, women probably can empathize a little bit more with, uh, with Mother's Day. The UPS said that Mother's Day had its strongest first half Shipping holiday for the past 15 years with four times more volume than Valentine's Day. So big important wow. holiday. Shout out to mom. Um, if you need to send your mom something, if you're one of this 43% of men, do it now. Do it now. Shipping times are not great. So yeah, make sure you it, get they that should really go there. to our swag store and get her a what the truck hat. Swag.freightwaves.com. Put on go. her lid. She needs a lid on her dome, doesn't she? She does. Okay. Transportation capacity, historically low. And it's showing no signs of slowing. Todd Maiden reports growth is increasing at an increasing rate across most components of the supply chain, according to the report, which we already knew. We didn't need to see this, but the Logistics Manager Index confirms the things we have been seeing with our own eyes and ears and sonar data platform. It's had its uh, second highest reading that the data set has logged in its nearly five-year existence. The LMI, if you're not familiar, is uh, the name. It's kind of like non-fungible token, Logistics Manager. It's just not an exciting name. No, it's really not. Yeah. Well, the LMI is the diffusion <laughs> index where a reading above 50% indicates expansion. Reading below 50% indicates contraction. This survey is designed to capture the rate of change in areas like transportation, inventory, and warehousing. By asking the experts what they're opinion, what they're seeing, right? And the yes. strong consumer and the need to uh, for inventory restocking and the severely diminished driver pool, as we've been talking about and going through, remain the catalyst for the tight uh, uh, capacity dyna- dynamics and ask their expectations on the capacity situation one year from now, all right, so looking a year into the future, the respondents' collective opinion deteriorated 5.6 percentage points from March to a 44%, which they would say they think it's going to contract in a year. Rhonda, she's in the comments. She says that she thinks we've all become homebodies, and that's why we don't want to, no one wants to. We're getting lazy. We're getting lazy, right? 
Is that what she's saying? She sure does. Yeah, yeah there's uh, a lot of right. numbers within the Logistics Managers Index. So if you're curious about the numbers, they don't really translate to us speaking. So go to FreightWaves.com, no, read that don't. article. Here's another cool one. XBO finally takes a bite out of Apple. Now, what I found interesting about this story, it's another one by Mark Solomon. XBO Logistics said Tuesday that it will build a 1 million square foot distribution center for Apple in the small Indiana town of Clayton that will support Apple's direct-to-consumer distribution delivery strategy. This is something that's been like percolating over the past year or two they started mm. shipping directly out of stores instead of traditionally from their factories in china but things are a little bit different now um this is xbo's first contract with the titan it's part yeah. of a four billion dollars in deals negotiated <sighs> by the company's logistics unit since the start of the year shipping costs getting so expensive companies finally recognizing that um xbo would not identify who all the participants were but the contract is the largest in xbo's 10-year history it's amazing. And the deal with content, it reached, it was reached during the first quarter, according to Joseph Checkler, who's a spokesman for XPO. XPO has begun the hiring process at the facility and is expected to open in the next few months, Checkler said. XPO will not provide deliveries for Apple under uh, the contract, Checkler said. He declined comment on whether the relationship will de- deepen beyond the announced transaction. The alliance is, shot in the, is a shot in the arm for Clayton, a town with a population of less than 1,100 people, yeah. Dooner, according to 2019 Census Bureau estimates. So, well, that makes sense they wouldn't deliver either. I mean, XBO, yeah. it makes sense that XBO delivers Pelotons, and in that partnership, because that's a huge, bulky item, makes yes. sense for what XBO does. This is still parcel. I mean, this is an yeah. iPhone. You don't need an XBO white glove service to bring it to you. No, no, you don't. Yeah, so it makes perfect sense they'd be handling logistics in the warehouse and that type yeah. of stuff and not the actual final delivery there. You think we're going to see a lot more? I mean, I'm surprised it's taken this long, but do you, and I know Walmart's going that way. Target's trying to go that, that way, but more of stores becoming... Um, uh, those, those micro distribution centers. Do you, do you anticipate that? Yeah, I, I kind of do. It's interesting to see what that space is. We talked with Lawrence Alvarado yesterday on midday market update that yeah. you can check out on freightways.com. But uh, we were talking about, you know, when we talked about ghost kitchens, ghost warehousing, right? Yeah. So multiple players like that within a warehouse doing that. He thinks that that's a viable idea. That's that just services that like 50 yes. mile, 25 mile yeah, region. Yeah, for multiple competitors. Look, yeah. Then you can eventually plug the drones in there. I know you're not always 100% up for the drones, but you could plug the drones <sighs> they're in. they're going to deliver my six pack while I'm smoking my ribs on a Saturday, I'm up for the drones. Hey, let's talk to public restroom fan and Freightways reporter Grace Sharkey, who's making her appearance <laughs> back on this very show after giving us one of the best sound bites of all time last time she was here. Let's see if she can even compete with herself. Grace, what's up? <laughs> Hello. Thank you so much for having me. It's, uh, you know, I'm the more I thought about that comment, the more I'm dug into it. And yeah. I think I, I I want to actually dive into this a little bit more, so hopefully soon. But yeah, I'm doing well and uh, diving into a lot of uh, carrier technology recently and actually speaking to a lot of mothers who are drivers recently as well. And uh, hopefully going to have a, a nice article this weekend come out for Mother's Day on that. So having a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on. By the way, I like your Space Wave shirt. Very sharp. You mentioned the swag yeah. store. You want to get one for your mother, swag.freightwaves.com. Um, but let, let me ask you this. So give us, a whole, since we were talking about Mother's Day right before you came on, do you have a, what are truckers saying so far? Just give us a brief preview of this article. So um, really what I'm doing is talking to mothers who are drivers and, and how they you know, do that work-life balance with, with kids. And one thing I find really interesting, especially right now as we're going into the summer, is quite a few of them actually take this time to bring their kids on the road um, and use it as kind of like a vacation for them. Like, let's go explore the country and, and make money while doing it. 
Um, what's also interesting is uh, there's a really cool individual who will definitely be in the article, and I'll probably spotlight her later on as well, um, who's writing books to help women on the road feel safer uh, in certain areas, clearly at truck stops, but also just um, in odd locations and warehouses and things like that that they end up at just throughout the job. So uh, what I really love is that None of the mothers are have ever, you know, feared the industry. It's just they want to get better and they want to contribute and uh, they're fearless and they, it, it's really inspiring. So it, I'm excited for it and I hope all of our readers enjoy it as well. I'm sure it's going to be awesome. You know, the truckers and their families never cease to amaze me of how what good people there are in this industry, and it's really awesome. You also wrote an article, though, recently about uh, UPS and Make-A-Wish, talking about truckers doing a great thing, right? And they, yeah. I guess they partner with Macy's. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, that's actually uh, the second event for it's happening tomorrow. Mm. So mm. Um, Mateo was a child with leukemia, and... His dream, you know, he was at home throughout the pandemic, like most, but having cancer, even more so stuck inside the house. And he was just watching drivers deliver all day long and was really inspired by how delivery people, men and women, um, made the job fun and made those deliveries fun. And his wish was to literally become a delivery man. So UPS partnered with Macy's. He got to go and pick out a bunch of things at Macy's to deliver to his friends and his family. And UPS actually is making him his own truck that he can go and, and deliver in California. And it's just, you know, I think a lot of times people think that that job is not something to aspire to be. Just so to see someone like him just really push himself to like to to have this dream and, you know, selfishly, if I had one wish, that's not probably it. So it's just really cool to see someone in that space really uh, appreciate drivers and, and not to be one as well. I mean, it, it makes it, I mean, it makes my eyes well up a little bit, too, because you, you, you talk about the kid being home during the pandemic. So he knows full well that that feeling that you get uh, when something comes from Amazon Prime mm -hmm. or a package comes or a card from a relative, um, anything that, that that may come in the mail from a UP, especially those those brown Amazon boxes. And it's awesome that this kid wanted to give that same feeling to other people. Like what a generous use of that reward. It's, it's yeah. It's awesome. His, his wish was to become the wish granter. Yeah. In, 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 in other words, right. Amazing. To bring that, to bring that joy to other, other kids. That is really, that is really selfless and awesome. Hey, uh, Grace, you spoke to a few other people. Uh, you spoke to Chris, Christian Lee's the new CFO over at, we work now that might raise some uh, eyebrows. It did for me. We work has been a bit of a nuclear name. And, you know, January of last year, we're sort of blamed for tanking the, um, the you know, the, the VC investment uh, economy. Um, <laughs> he says that he doesn't have a ton of experience, but he's joining Transfix. Tell us about this story. Is it a good choice? What happened here? Yeah, so that was one of my favorite interviews that I've actually had so far. He was really great to meet and just really grateful to be a part of the Transfix team. Personally, as, as a female, I really look up to Lily and I've been a, a huge fan of their leadership over there. So it was cool for me to see his views coming into it. And if it's, you know, what she's really spoke about at past events at Freightways as well. And he was all for it. And for someone 
you know, you look at WeWork, right? And a lot of their inside culture for him to come out and say like, this is some of the best in-house culture that I've been a part of, I think really speaks volumes. And personally, I think investing in someone like him really shows that they have a really interesting future coming up. So that's for me, I'm interested in watching them and, and seeing what kind of moves they make as you know, they've been rumored about SPACs and stuff like that in the past. So uh, we'll see what happens there. But that he was very fun to talk to and um, a huge fan, fan of Freightways as well. I, I'm a huge fan of, of of his description of the industry. He said it's like uh, you said it can be like quicksand, I guess. And he said, yeah, but like cotton candy quicksand, it's really delicious and wonderful. First of all, what did you take yeah. away? What does that mean? And do you agree <laughs> that the industry is a tasty cotton candy quicksand? Listen, I went to school for like politics and nonprofit fundraising. And if now look how deep I'm in on this. Like I can't yeah. get out. And it's the same. It, talking with him was the same way. Like his enthusiasm for it grew so much. And it's only been a little over a month for him. It's the type of industry where you start in it and you learn a few things and then you just get super curious. And the next thing you know, you know, you're dug into all of these Pelotons taking forever to get here and then apparently getting sent right back. So it's, uh, it's, it's really cool. And I, I, I couldn't leave that quote out. It was just perfect. Yeah, it is awesome. <laughs> yeah, Grace, that's why I had to start a show. Cause as, as you know, when you're in this business, people who aren't in this business don't really know much or anything right. about it. So if you want to have conversations around it, you got to kind of stay close to, to the business. Elsewise, nobody knows what, what the hell you're talking about. Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> no, it's absolutely true. You you quickly learn that it's not just a bunch of guys just driving trucks back and forth. Hey, speaking That's of not just what it is. Speaking of IPOs, big money, SPACs, JD Logistics, right? They uh, the that's the spinoff of JD.com. They're looking to IPO, and it looks like it's going to be uh, for big bucks, four billion dollars, maybe. Yeah, I am a huge fan of technology within Asia and JD.com and JD Logistics. It's great as it is that they're, you know, going IPO, especially the Chinese uh, stock market has just really been on uh, a shaky. Um, this is going to be huge for them. But uh, what's really interesting to me is their technology advances. I mean, they are already at like level four autonomous driving. They're the smart city access that they have over in China is amazing. Um, you know, we've, we all saw like the Shanghai had the um, in the air, like QR code, right? Like they are just huge on technology and being a tech nerd, I am just dug in on everything that they're doing. So for me, I'm really excited to see how they grow and, and compete with who we see as leaders like Amazon. Yeah, I agree. And it's a huge, JD Logistics is a huge company in its own, just spinning off from it. Several, you know, 800 warehouses, I think several hundred thousand drivers, et cetera. Hey, let's get another very, magical very soundbite. Oh yeah, let's get, we need a we need a good soundbite. So I'm going to spin this uh, wheel of stupid here real quick. Oh She's no, I need I need to bury that. Where uh, could it possibly land yeah. this time? Can you unleash my inner wizard? Um, <clears throat> so here we are. When's the last time you swallowed a bug? <laughs> Honestly, it's probably been a while. Uh, <laughs> like I'm just swallowing bugs all the time. Uh, you know. For, <laughs> like they're kelp, like you just move through the environment. And just, like krill. Yeah. yeah. Like a, <laughs> uh, the last time I can like really think about is like playing softball. Like, uh, just like having to like, 
I remember like, I don't even think I swallowed it, but just like the bugs, you know, constantly get in your face, especially in Michigan. We have kind of like swamp areas every once in a while. So it's just like mosquitoes and stuff. So that's probably that. But uh, no, just it's the weirdest thing about me is that I love public restrooms. So I guess it okay. stops there. <laughs> so no grasshopper <laughs> chips, no chocolate yeah, covered crickets, nothing say, like that. Intentionally. When's yeah. the last time you intentionally? Because you intentionally could do it. Oh, to me, it's usually unintentional. Oh, I've yes. tried those cricket chips. And if they didn't tell you they were cricket chips, you wouldn't know. You would think they were like, um, like Quest. Quest has like keto chips that are all protein. And it's a little bit of a weird consistency, but you can get used to it. It doesn't taste outright like crickets either. That's what I'm saying here. Yeah. No. I usually just get them when I'm walking thing. around. They just fly right in my mouth. <laughs> you just grab well, find Gray Sharky's great articles on FreightWaves.com. As I've said again, I'll, I'll laud the praise one more time. She's one of my favorite authors on the site because you cover Amen. people and we do on What the Truck Love as well. Because we're here for the people. Companies are fine. People are great. Take it easy, Grace. Thank you, guys. <laughs> hey, let's talk to Jennifer. Well, actually, let's watch this PSA first. Let's get you up on rail safety. This is a big issue, and I, okay. I didn't think about it too much. But, you know, yeah. I've, thought, I've never thought about rails as much until I moved here to Chattanooga, where built into a lot of the architecture and roads here are the remnants of all the rail lines that went through. Yeah, we still that's some true. Active ones as yes. well. Oh but yeah, we got plenty of action. Yeah, there's all sorts of random tracks around here. We have the Chattanooga Choo Choo. It's very prominent. I mean, in Boston, it is as well with the T and those kind of things. But that's like look left and right. Don't get run over by the Green Line. Yeah, well, the first time I brought my kids up from South Florida, they were astonished at how loud a train was. They'd never seen one yeah. before, and they were like 12 years old. Let's check out this PSA. <laughs> It couldn't be clearer, so don't ignore the signs or the danger. Know how to spot low ground clearances at railroad crossings. They look different depending on what kind of vehicle you're in. If you do get stuck, get out of your vehicle immediately. Call the number on the blue and white side and give the crossing ID number. All kinds of vehicles need to be aware of low ground clearances at railroad crossings, not just trucks and buses. Always look for the signs, because ultimately, it is your responsibility to ensure you can clear the crossing safely. Remember, trains always have the right of way. If you're not sure the vehicle you're driving can clear the tracks, find an alternate route. Use the Federal Railroad Administration's Rail Crossing Locator app to plan ahead. It'll save you time and could save your life. Always expect a train. See tracks? Think train. Wow, so now we have Jennifer uh, DeAngelis from Operation Lifesaver and Buck Russell. He's from Union Pacific Road. And guys, thank you very much for coming on the show. I got to say from that video, Michael, Vince, and I were talking before the show, and we're like, we've never noticed that blue sign on the railroad crossings before. Blue sign? Never saw that before. (laughs) That blue sign is incredibly important, right? Almost every single railroad crossing has a blue and white sign. We call it the blue and white emergency notification system sign. Um, If you see anything on the tracks, if you get stuck on the tracks, right, the first thing you do is get out of your vehicle. Whether you see a train or not, you get out of your vehicle. You find that sign and you call the number on the sign. Each sign has a specific phone number for the railroad that controls those tracks, and it also has a locator ID. So it's a very important sign to know. So I'm glad you guys brought that up. It's very, very important. Well, Jennifer, some people may may be wondering, hey, why is Union Pacific here along with you? But as I understand it, Operation Lifesaver was founded in the 1970s by Union Pacific. Let's go to Buck real quick. Hey, Buck, introduce yourself and uh, tell us a little bit about your involvement with this program. Hey, good afternoon. My name is Buck Russell. I am a 23-year employee of Union Pacific, 13 of those years as a locomotive engineer and 10 of those as a manager as public safety for 11 of our 23 states that we operate in. 
and my involvement is is that I assist uh, as a uh, as a business professional with Operation Lifesaver and uh, issues that the railroads have, and how can we work together to save lives. With a name like Buck Russell, right? You're either a major league pitcher, oh yeah, or you're driving a train, yeah. Or, I mean, it, or John it, Candy in the movie Uncle Buck. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. So um, let, let's talk about this. Jennifer, what are some of the major concerns uh, with, with rail safety that are out there? Well, you know, uh, you mentioned with your son hearing the train, right, and seeing the train yeah. for the first time. So when, when we were younger um, – and when you're right, trains were were loud. You could hear them coming. You could maybe feel them coming. But trains nowadays, oftentimes, are much more, uh, are much faster and much quieter than you think they're going to be. Um, also, a lot of times, people are distracted when they're near train tracks. Right? We have a, a video for the general public called a near miss video. Right? Which is a teenager wearing uh, earbuds walking near the tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, it does. You know, you don't hear the train. You don't feel the train until it's too late to move. Um, so we work to to empower people to make safe choices around tracks and trains. And professional truck drivers have critical driving decisions to make every day, right? But the stop that you make at a railroad track or near a railroad train could be your most important stop of the day, um, right? Because we want to make sure we want to make sure when you're crossing that track that your truck can clear on both sides. You want mm-hmm. 15 to 50 feet on either side, not just the front end, but the back end as well. Let me ask you about that because whenever, you know, a lot of people, when they see a picture of a car or a truck stuck on the tracks, they go, why are they leaving their car stuck on the tracks? Why don't they just drive off of it? How do people get stuck? How do they actually get stuck on the tracks? Well, sometimes like uh, they fail to lift the dolly legs and the landing gear, uh, improper route. Uh, You know, they got off the assigned permitted routes. Uh, or just, you know, hey, take a chance real quick. I've done it before, and maybe their load's a little heavier this time. But last year, in 2020, according to the Federal Railroad Administration, there were 1,889 collisions with vehicles at grade crossings, and there were 202 fatalities and 675 injuries, which is just, it's, it's unacceptable that, that people take a chance. Like, Jennifer said distractions, going around the lower gates, stopping on top of the tracks, issues like that are what we're having. Wow, wow, wow. So, Jennifer, I understand that every three hours in the United States, every three hours a person or a vehicle is hit by a train. And I think we have a PSA here we can can take a look at here. Before this tragedy, my thought of trains were that they were big, they were loud, you could feel it, you could hear it, that There's no way you can't not know that a train is coming. And oh, how mistaken I was. I watched a couple of these stories on your site, and they're all so sad because you never expect someone to get taken away by a train, right? I mean, it's just, it's, it's yeah. so as a mother's like, he just went out for a bike ride. He went walking on the tracks. This person was just going to work. It's not something you can prepare for, you can anticipate or, or really even think about. So what's the best way? Is this the best way of getting that message across? Just bringing awareness to the situation? I think that's a big part of it, right? I, I, I was surprised when I started working for Operation Lifesaver for that statistic. That's a staggering statistic every three hours. That means in the time, statistically speaking, that my kids are in school, right? Three to, there's three to four incidents 
just in that small window of time. Um, so I think one of, right, one of the things we need to do collectively is share the message. Share the message with each other because people don't realize trains are quieter than we think they are. They're faster than we think they are. Just because you don't see a train coming and the gates are down doesn't mean a train isn't coming. And a train traveling 50, freight train traveling 55 miles an hour takes a mile to stop. That's more than a mile oftentimes. That's 18 football fields. Wow. Right? Another funny thing that we all know but we don't think about is that trains don't have steering wheels. Yeah. So if you're walking across the tracks or you're driving and your vehicle is stuck, um, you know, the, the engineer on the train has, there's not a lot that they can do, right? They can start the brakes, but it's going to take 18 football fields to stop. Jennifer, let me so ask. It's very Buck, important. Jennifer, let me ask Buck about this because there, there's this, I mean, this is a dumb movie, but there's a movie called Unstoppable with uh, Denzel Washington. I don't know if you've seen it. Maybe all oh, the yeah. train guys watched this one, but like the train can't stop. So it's just right. like going through the crossings and this is the whole thriller movie. But you've been an engineer. What happens in that situation where a train can't stop? What are you trained to do? You know, the train can stop. It just can't stop quickly. I mean, all of that force, the actual where the, the wheels, the steel wheels meet the steel rail is only about the size of a quarter. That is it. And you have all that weight, you know, thousands of tons pushing against it. Uh, and it's like living a nightmare. You hit the emergency brakes. You've done all you can. You're pounding on the window. Get out of the way. Get out of the way. A lot of times there's a little kid in the backseat giving the honk the horn sign. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, the impact. It is just something that you never, ever forget. In my 13 years of running trains, I unfortunately struck two trespassers because railroads are private property. If you are on the train tracks, you are committing a crime. You are trespassing, and you can be hit and killed by or injured by a train. So I hit two trespassers and one vehicle. So, yes, I do have a passion for what we do with Operation Lifesaver to prevent these unnecessary tragedies. Wow. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. That, no. That's that's deep stuff. I mean, where where would people where do people go? Because you have a great site over at Operation Lifesaver to get yeah. more information here. Um, I'm glad you were able to come on and allow us to spread some of this awareness. And and Buck, thanks for your honesty and candor and talking about the experience of what an engineer actually sees when they're on the other end of this this outcome. But if, if people want to learn more, they want to watch some of those testimonials, where should they go to? We have a great website that you mentioned. It's O L I dot org for operation lifesaver oli dot org um there's also some videos if you're looking for those videos that you mentioned they're called stop track tragedy videos you can find those under the the materials section of our website but there's a lot of great information there for a variety of audiences professional drivers drivers ed instructors parents kids um outdoorsmen um there's a lot of information there. So we'd love for folks to go there and learn how to make the safest choices around tracks and trains. And then we'd also like them to, to tell their friends and tell everybody they know. Jennifer, if possible, you know, if possible, we'd like to come to your business and conduct a in-person uh, volunteer uh, presentation, if appropriate. And we can do some Q&A and stuff like that. And it's all low cost. Absolutely. I'm so glad you mentioned that book. There's free training. Uh, uh, multiple uh, different platforms of training, including in-person and virtual. Jennifer and Buck, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate uh, getting this message out there and helping us do so as well. Take care and, and have a great Cinco de Mayo. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Take thank care. Thank you.
Again, we'd like to thank our friends at Legend Transportation for sponsoring today's episode. Legend partners with strategic customers while providing seamless solutions for its drivers and its West Regionals. Premier freight transportation company. Learn more at, tell them, dude. Oh, newlegendinc.com. Go there immediately after the show. Now, I was, I was going to ask them because I, I was sort of curious. Like, there's this old trope in, in like, old films and cartoons of tying the, like, a dastardly villain tying a woman to the train tracks. Yeah. But, um... Buck's experience, you know, I mean, like, Harry, like, that's no joke. That's, that, that's, you know, he's really been through this experience. That has to be traumatic. Yeah, it changed. It, it wasn't time for a, a, a wheel of stupid questions. No, not on that one. Not I mean, on that it, one at I all. Don't want to say, but I'm glad it took a bit of a dark turn because I think that the gravity of what we're talking about. Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yeah. if you get a chance, go to that site, uh, O-I-L, or yeah. O-O-L-I yeah. dot org and check it out. John John's uh, story will, will, will hit you. If you want to keep your kids off the train tracks, a great movie to show them is uh, that Stephen King movie, Stand, Stand By Me. I watched yeah. that as a kid, and when they get yeah. stuck on the, uh, on the bridge there with the train coming, you're kind of like, you know what? This thing could really mess you up. Let's talk to Rick Larkin now. He's present over at BCB Transport. He wants to celebrate Cinco de Mayo with us in a very unique way. Rick, welcome to the show. <laughs> hey, fellas. What's going on? What's happening? I love this oh, little wow. – did you build this by your own hands? Check out that picture. You know what? Uh and celebrate, you know, I had some help, some workers come out here and do all this, but brick oven pizza. We got artichoke and uh, sausage right here. We got a pepperoni coming in here as well. Wow. We're making the pizzas today in celebration of Cinco de Mayo. Well, so wow. you must like uh, you must like this whole work from home business, right? I mean, who else during lunchtime <laughs> is literally firing up the uh, the stone grill over there, the outdoor pizza grill? You know, the, 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 I tell you, the people at work they love it too because they know. They knew what I was doing this show today, making pizza. They know they're getting them. I got 20 pizzas I got to make today for the folks at work. Oh, oh! so wow. you got to make 20 pizzas in order to get to work. <laughs> That's all right. Even the it's president like has to do that. No, it's like real work. I got a barbecue right here getting ready to go on barbecue chicken. Um, probably one of the favorite ones. That, let me tell you, mac and cheese pizza, by far wow. a fan favorite. That Ooh, would not work I well with the keto it. diet. I love uh, it. So no, yeah, not the big keto thing. Now, pizza, I've, I'm, I'm a pizza carnivore myself, and uh, I got to tell you, the, the biggest components of it are obviously the dough, the sauce, the cheese you use, and of course, the temperature. So how hot does that oven get? So we cook it on about 750 degrees on the floor right now. It's cooking at 680 right now, but inside there, it's going closer to that 800, 900 degrees at times. It depends. So pretty solid. Wow. It takes those... about three and a half minutes to cook a pizza. Yeah, but you, it takes a little bit to heat up those bricks in that oven, right? Is, is there a trick to running that oven? You no, know, it's so it's it's pure it's pure wood. There's no gas. There's no cheating. There's nothing like that. Right. Um, so it it I got up this morning at to get it going at five o'clock in the morning. It'll take four hours to get it up to heat. So it's it's an, when you're you're not just cooking one pizza, right? Right. <laughs> when you're cooking, you're cooking for everybody, the neighborhood, the kids, anybody. Now, Rick, we were just talking about rail safety, right, with Operation Lifesaver. And I know that you, you you're, you're, wearing, you're usually wearing, usually when you're behind your other set, and you've got great sets. Your, your set's a pizza oven, your other set has like a big TV on there. You've got the safety vest on. It's road check week right now. You are a big proponent of safety. What, uh, what should we be mindful of of safety, and what do you got to look out for during road check week? So road check week, uh, we had a DOT officer come in and talk to us a little bit about it. But, you know, they're after speeding spacing primarily. So when you're out there driving, we talk to our drivers about it. But 
first and foremost, you know, watch your speed, watch your construction zones. You know, they're looking for you if you're speeding. You know, they're looking for that spacing, those cars that cut you off or whatever. You still got to back up in the big truck. So we remind our drivers that and, and try to get that word out to everybody. Speed and spacing really does. It's, it's the first step in saving life on that highway for the truck drivers. You know, Rick, one of the big things that they talked about in the roadway sa- or in the uh, in the uh, safety week in the inspection, one of the biggest violations was the lamps on the trucks. Yeah. Are they are they talking about uh, like the la- like the headlamps on the trucks or the lamps, the running lamps that are around the trailer, et cetera? And how important are those things to make sure they're they're checked, not just get a little violation on them? Yeah, so I mean, they're looking for something that's uh, you know. So the first thing they see, whether it's your light at nighttime. They're listening for the error. They're listening for the air brakes in the trailer. They're looking. They're looking for not only your lights. Maybe they're off and on. And that's a big deal. That's you know. It's all about th- having the visibility for the cars to see that. Mm-hmm. But they're looking to also see is that truck dirty? Is it have crap all over the dashboard? They're looking for consistencies, right? They're looking for a reason that says there's a good chance that this person driving this truck isn't doesn't have you know isn't isn't uh they're not ready to go because they're they're just the truck's dirty it's it's crap on the dash but yeah they're looking for the lights they're looking for any intermediate lights that are just on and off a reason especially right now to pull you over and just look at everything right but when they come up to you they'll tell you the same thing man they 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 can tell in the first three to four minutes if they're going to have a violation on the driver yeah. How do you tell drivers to behave when they're when they're pulled over? I mean, is it, you know, let, let the let the officer need to do what they do. Keep your attitude in check. You know, make sure you have your documents ready. You you know, the drill. Be prepared. What, what, what kind of advice do you impart here? So so um, and, and so th- th- when you talk to DOT officers, they, they actually love their favorite people when they have to pull somebody over is the way that they, that the truck drivers in general talk to them. They're not, uh, most drivers know that they're getting pulled over for a roadside. They know to get their logs ready. They know to, to have their permit book ready to go. They have their license ready to go. They're, um, you know, they're, I just think that if you treat people like people and, and DOT officers, they're pulling you over. They're just doing your job. They're, they're doing their job. And when we remind our drivers that, um, they're really not that intimidated. I think they're less intimidated, as a matter of fact, with with the electronic locks because they're not running illegal. Back on the paper log, I think they were nervous because they were probably cheating. But on the e-logs, I think it made everybody more relaxed. That's an interesting. That's interesting. And and talking about being relaxed, you know, it's it's common knowledge that there's there's a lack of capacity during this week. Less drivers, more drivers yeah. take this week off. Do you find that within your own company as well? That drivers trying to stay away from this week. Not that they're running dirty or anything like that, but maybe they just don't like the hassle of possibly getting stopped and checked out. Yeah, and and while we don't, you know, they don't come out and say the reason why they're doing it. You know, a lot of them choose to get their trucks, especially independent contractors, maybe get their trucks. Uh, inspected this week or worked on this week i think for an owner operator not so a company driver owner operators i think are just a little bit more scared and and when you think about it the reason why and if you go back to last year you know back in uh, the beginning of covid april may june when the rates were dirt cheap well let's face it the independent contractors they didn't have a lot of money to fix their trucks and when mm-hmm. you're not making money the one thing that goes unfortunately is your maintenance so I think independent contractors in general just get scared. I think company drivers is for the most part, companies know the uh, you know the, the companies understand the risks they're involved with. They're going to get the trucks equipped, they're going to get the equipment, the tractor, the trailers. They're going to make sure it's all running. So, in general, most of our guys are working 
You know, but we also mandate that every three months, our independent contractors go in and get a inspection every three months. What about tires? I was speaking to one DOT officer. They said tires are the easiest thing to notice. So what should you be checking on your tires before you start rolling out this week? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so you always want to, your tires are just critical. I mean, yeah. so when a DOT officer comes, or even if I go out and do an inspection, there's two things I'm looking at. I'm looking at shaping at the airlines, and I'm looking at the tires. And if I see that stuff, it just tells you something's wrong with the with the with the tractor or the trailer with the driver. That means if the tray if the if the tires are bad, that just tells you that driver did not do a pre trip. And we got to continue to remind drivers the importance of a pre trip. It it didn't just happen over you know you didn't get a flat you didn't get a, a flat spot in 300 miles. It it, it happened yeah. at the beginning and. And I think a lot of that is is being up front with your driver, your, with your independent contracts or company drivers, and stressing the importance of of doing a pre trip and not letting them drop trailers at your yard that are also messed up. You have it's a I would look at it as they're coachable moments. If a trailer at your yard, if a truck at your yard has been dropped incorrectly, hey, you know what? It's a coachable moment. Get with that driver today. You can't wait a day or two days. The moment's lost. Yeah, and there are those telltale signs. I'm glad you're bringing those up. Those are quite obvious ones that you look for when they go through there. How about we spin the uh, wheel of stupid questions and uh, see what we got going on over there? Right? See what happens. <laughs> round and round it goes. Where it stops, no one knows. I bet, love it. I bet he'll give a great answer, and we'll have a great question here. Oh, I think we are. Okay. All right, what do you got? Here we go. What is something that your Alexa knows that nobody else does? Woo. So, uh, all right. So, my Alexa, she... <laughs> knows like um and it's weird right that the temperature the medium rare of every kind of meat out there because in the back of this i have like four grills as well big grills i have the wood and they know the difference hey how do i you know what's the best wood to use to cook this kind of meat it's all about that i'm gonna cook a prime rib out here tonight as well so i asked the alexa all these stupid things like hey how hot does the pizza oven need to be to cook it out there so it's all about the cooking with my alexa so you, so that's really, it's like Roxanne, like the earpiece in your ear is Alexa giving you all this information. You actually don't even know that much. You just rely. I get it. I like that you admit that you just kind of Google everything. I do the same thing. I'm like an idiot savant to. with a lot of this stuff, right? People think you're like wicked smart because you read a Wikipedia like two seconds before you came on air and you're spouting out facts. I don't remember any of that stuff later on. I'm just kidding. I do. Hey, we got to let you go, but can you make, can you make one more pizza and spell out what the truck or WTT and pepperoni then send us a picture of it? <laughs> you know what? I will do that for you. All right. That's I'll make awesome. you a pizza. I'll get it done and we'll send it to you on video and it will say WTT, what the truck. And I'll even go. Nice. We'll use it to promote the episode. Perfect. Thank you so much, Rick. We'll have you back on soon in your other studio with your safety vest on. Take care, brother. Hey, y'all be good. Thanks, Rick. Hey, now we're going to run over to Nate Cunningham. He's a senior materials planner over at Tesla. He's in Reno, Nevada, and he is probably a top 40 supply chain specialist under 40, according to him. He's even had his own company. He's found his own company here in the procurement space. Let's talk to him. Nathan, what's up, brother? Hey, how's it going? It's going good, dude. How are are things over in uh, in Reno? Uh, Bright and sunny today. It's good. My solar panels are, uh, are, are charging up my power wall and... And and things are good. So wow, check it out. Wait, so you 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 well, you work at Tesla. You're, are you using the Tesla panels? Uh, yeah. So so I bought Tesla Solar at the uh, at the beginning of this year. I got them installed uh, with a Powerwall also. Nice, good savings. Wow. Can we get these in Chattanooga? Yeah. 
I don't know if you can or not. I always huh. wanted one of those power walls. I think that's very cool. Yeah. Very, very cool technology. Very, very cool. So, Nate, let's talk awesome. about Is it really? Are you totally off the grid yeah. there or no? Uh, so, most days I'm like 95, 98% off grid. Wow. That's cool. Nate, tell us a little bit about the world of procurement, because, you know, as Chris Peckham came on here, he told us that every mode of transportation is a dumpster fire. Every article on Freightwaves is about some, whether it be, uh, whether it be semiconductors, uh, whether it be furniture, patio, there's always something missing in supply chain these days, especially in the parts and supplies business. So your job must be a nightmare. Yeah, the the one that I uh, I've liked recently is ketchup packets. I guess those are oh. were in low supply recently. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. I mean, the whole global supply chain world has been really interrupted in the last year, obviously. Um, but even e- even before that, you know, it's like supply chain is and and procurement the procurement space is growing in popularity and in visibility um i think more supply chain articles have been written the last year than ever in the history of supply chain uh, because it's becoming so visible and you know it is uh challenging and um you know people don't understand that uh it takes months to start up a, a a die or a tool you know or a factory or whatever right like it takes time to get these things set up um and then once it's set up it's usually you know smooth sailing but um but in, but until then you know like it uh it takes a while so yeah it's it's challenging to to get things done but uh but we do the best we can so yeah, it is one of those industries where people don't understand exactly how things work. Yeah. And it, that's a great point. But you are a self-proclaimed and very proud nerd, right? And oh. you, and, and Yes. <laughs> it comes to look. Were you checking what I was going to read next? <laughs> Dude, I got a little nervous no. there for a second. But, but, but you are, right? So it, tell us about procurement people. Do you have to be this weird mutant to be a uh, procurement people? <laughs> tell me how you... <laughs> What's your uh, yeah, we. I have a lab in my garage. If anybody wants to, you know, get a get a mutation. No, um, <laughs> I mean you really don't. I mean, I, I, I love procurement. I love supply chain. Um, it, you, you know, and uh, and but but you don't have to be this way. To me, it's like the the, the piece of the supply chain that I really love is data, and mm. I, I love digging through numbers. I love trying to figure out why things are the way they are. Um, you know, it's like. Uh, understand or like truly understanding the details of of the supply chain is super super challenging um but if you can do that through numbers it's it's good i think that you know even if you're not a mutant i think the the you have to have an intersection of a love for people and a love for data and numbers or another technical skill right like i know people in supply chain that previously were engineers and then they go into supply chain to uh, because they were frustrated with the supply chain when they were an engineer. Right. Um, and I think that, you know, you got to know how to talk to people and you got to know how to technically do something. Right. Um, you, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, I think like you need the intersection of both to be successful. Yeah, speaking to anyone in any position, it always helps to sort of know what will ring those bells in their yeah. in their head. What do they really care about? What are they looking for? When when people are speaking with procurement people or someone in your position, what are the things you you care about most? Is it speed, price, quality? I mean, there's got to be some combination of all of those things. But how do you speak the language? Yeah, I think um, yeah. <laughs> There's lots of machine shops in in, the, in in the United States, and I know a lot of them will have signs on their door saying, we offer three services, 
uh, fast, cheap, and good, and you can choose two. And I think that, like, I, you know, even though it's a little silly, I think that that's a good uh, framework to think of in supply chain and procurement is that it, at different times, you're going to need different things, right? And so when you're talking to suppliers or if a salesperson is talking to a supply chain person, I think it's important to really understand where their, where their priorities lie. Like some days, I don't, I, I really don't care how much it costs. I just need it tomorrow. Right. Or today. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I know people that will uh, fly things around the world to get it today. Right. And, and certainly that happens. I don't know a single supply chain manager that hasn't done that at least once in their career um, is, is expedite things around the world at an insane amount of cost to get something tomorrow. But we don't want to do that every day, obviously, right? So when you're talking between salespeople and procurement people, it's important to understand where the priorities lie is, you know, again, which one of those three things do you need right now, right? Um, so. Yeah, no, that's, a, yeah, expedited is like that necessary evil that you need to pull out that you never want to, right? But. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So this year has been, I mean, it's a difficult position that you're in there. I mean, the supply chain and procurement and keeping things running is very, very important. And you get heavy fines if you miss, especially like in the automotive and that type of stuff, yeah. right? Stuff is late and there's heavy fines. You're shutting down production. We're shutting down all kinds of production right now. I'm not getting my ketchup packets or I didn't for a little while, <laughs> but I'm not getting, I'm not getting my automobiles and my trucks because there's no chips. We got salsa trucks as Dooner called them, right? Huh. All truck, no, no chips. Uh, talk about how difficult it's been this year with, with uh procurement and the supply chain yeah i i I think like uh, um you know using a metaphor it's like it's beating a dead horse a little bit it's like covid hit and everything stopped and then you um (laughs) and the horse dies and all of a sudden uh, you know the, the suez canal you start beating the horse a little bit more right it's like it just seems like one thing after another after another after another and i think that's actually like an indication of how supply chains work is that like is that so many things are connected i mean it's challenging but i think it's it's the biggest thing is just talking to your suppliers understanding the risks and 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 again diving into those details and not being afraid to be transparent and say hey here's where we're at here's what we need and 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 breaking down barriers anywhere you can right um and not accepting the status quo not being a victim and just saying like all right what am i going to do to actually get this thing done and 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 then make it happen you know hey you gonna watch uh saturday night live this weekend um, you know, I have not, I've never watched Saturday night live live, but I do enjoy, uh, Saturday, mor- uh, Sunday mornings going on YouTube and, and watching some, uh, a sketch. So yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, hey, spin the wheel for him. Let's I'm spinning spin the wheel, the wheel of stupid questions. What do we got for you? She goes coming up today. And, oh, this is a perfect. Oh, nice. It's a question mark. Yeah. So dealer's choice. Yeah, it's a dealer's choice. So I'm going to choose this. You have to make a supply chain show based on Baby Shark. Do, 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 do. Yeah. What's it about? Oh, jeez. Um, uh, so the supply chain show about Baby Shark. So I would uh, talk about the procurement of the video cameras and uh, all of the clothing you know, that they're wearing, Mm -hmm. um, you know, costumes have to be purchased. Um, and if the costumes were in your closet for 20 years, then I want to know where it was procured 20 years ago. Right. And understanding, you know, basically everything you see that is a physical object and not digital object should have 
been purchased at some point and then understand like, you know, uh, what are the factories that make those? So there you go. Baby shark. Yeah, no, I'm with you. That, that's I would have gone that with. If you've been to Walmart, or Target, there's a ton of Baby Shark toys. So yeah, yeah. you go there, you could even just cover the the merchandising of a YouTube viral sensation. You talk about procurement. Yeah, you absolutely. talk about like having a strike when the iron's hot and seasonality of clothing, automobiles, yeah. all those things. Talk about a trend. Trying to talk about moving trend merchandise. You just talk about fidget spinners. Imagine you bought a bunch of fidget spinners like two months after they got popular. You <laughs> yeah. have a buttload of fidget spinners right now. <laughs> that's exactly. Hey, right. Nate, thank you so much for coming on, man. Have a happy Cinco de Mayo. All right, see you guys. Take it easy. All right, let's step inside the newsletter. Let's do that. You've got mail. <laughs> Boom. All right. All right. You want the What the Truck newsletter? <laughs> of course you do. Go to freightwaves.com slash WTT. You'll, you'll get that in your you'll get that in your inbox. Hey, you know what? <laughs> I'm starting a new trend here. This would have been in the newsletter, but I didn't find out about it until afterwards. They didn't find this lady. They didn't find this lady in time. By the time I was done reading it, this ties into drone waves. Is why I bring it up. I don't sure she wanted to be found. To According to Ed, I don't think she did want to be found. According to NBC News, five months after a search was launched for a Utah woman who had apparently disappeared, she was found alive at a campsite she'd set up. Uh, that's according to the Utah County Sheriff's Office. Yeah. This is 47 year old lady, right? Yeah. Takes off five months ago. Nobody can find her. They're flying. The sheriff's flying his drone around. They're looking yeah. all over for her because it's a drone. It crashed, you know, and the sheriff's like, I got to go get my drone. So he goes into the woods and he goes looking for, he finds the drone. And then like, lo and behold, the lady's like right across from it in a tent, in a tent. And yeah. he's like, hey, we're li- everyone's looking for you. And she's like, I just live here now. Yeah, that's exactly. I don't know. They're, they're, they're checking around for like mental mental health and, and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, they took her to the hospital and said they said that she was a little weak and, and malnourished a little bit. But, uh, you know, hey, she was foraging for grass and stuff like that. But is it like just because you like what about like Christopher McCandless, right? The dude from End of the Wild. Yeah. That guy like took off and, and he like eats berries and he, he died in that van, right? Yeah. Sean Penn makes a movie about him. There's a book about him. He's like a cultural hero. He's a cultural hero. This lady does it. They're like, eh, she's probably crazy. Uh, She's got to be crazy. I don't know. I don't know. I don't understand why she's crazy. No, I don't know. And and the drone crashed. Okay. Uh, The drone crashed. Sure. Yeah, it crashed. Likely story. It's very convenient. (laughs) Likely story that it crashed. Hey, also in the news, we talk about road check week, road check week. We talked about it with with Rick Larkin. He was was able to multitask very well. He was able to make the pizza and, and do the road check. And stick his hand in a 900-degree oven to pick out those yeah. pizza and listen to the questions we were asking him at the exact same time. It was very important. How lot does something have to be to cremate it? Like a pet or something? I, I don't know. Oh, okay. Should, we have, you, just, should just, we have you checked out? Your knowledge? He would ask his Alexa and have that answer. He would just sneak off to the side. That's he would right. Ask that, his is Alexa. that what your Alexa has didn't, <laughs> knows about you? Uh, it's in like the newsletter, so I kind of cover it there. But one angle I didn't fully take on, I was speaking yeah. more to the truckers, is the capacity angle. So tell me a little bit about the impact capacity. What are shippers seeing today, tomorrow, and the next day? Well, they're seeing tighter capacity is what they're seeing. No yeah. doubt about it. You saw capacity or you, you saw capacity loosen over the last week, even though volume stayed elevated. Yeah. Capacity dropped from tw- or tightness. The rejections, I should say, uh, dropped from 26 percent down to 24 percent. Now, since this weekend, 
it has gone up almost a full click to 25% from 20 from 24, even though volumes are down a little bit this yeah. week. So yeah, there's definitely tighter capacity. They're seeing a, a little bit more difficult people on the road. Like, like he was saying, like Rick was saying, would you even no- operators? Would you notice though? Cause I mean, it's already so bad as it is. Would you, would you, yeah, right. I don't, I don't know. Right. <laughs> I don't know. Four, that you would. Four million vehicles are going to get pulled over. Uh, here's a good way. Check out this license plate that, that someone made. And, and you tell me if, the, I mean, here's the thing. Those numbers, right? It turned out that that, that was like the real information that yeah. needed to be on yeah, there. Yeah, the guy yeah, just yeah. drew it on there. The officer still cited him. And I got to eh, say, it's lame. I would have given a warning here. The driver said because of COVID, he wasn't sure where to go. And I totally understand that. It's a lot of drivers on the road, like, it's not like they have time to sit around and research all this stuff and figure it no, out and go to their but, town. You're on the road. No, it, look, it looks like he put it on the back of another license plate. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't like, yeah, it's not like a piece of cardboard. Yeah. The other thing, as we mentioned, just look out, look out for your tires, you know, and, and just be mindful because they're gonna, they do a 37 point inspection when they pull you out. Yeah. Number one way to get pulled out of service is run with bad tires. You don't want to get pulled out of service, especially no. you're a driver. Make sure you check in before I go out there for the road safety, for your job safety, all included. Be good out there. When you mentioned baby shark, what about airplane sharks? I love this. What about what Lufthansa is doing? Yeah, Lufthansa. Going to wrap them all in. Well, it's a new, uh, so I forget what the the name of the company was. Forjet developed this stuff that is uh, a paint, right? That uh, has uh, like scales kind of etched inside of it, laser etched or something inside of it that helps with the, just, I mean, tremendous savings on this thing as well, right? I mean, like uh, 3,700 tons of fuel across an airline, across 10 jets in a year would be saved and just unbelievable. I was reading an interview with one of the engineers and they were talking about why sharks get on airplanes. You look at it, you would think all airplanes are inspired by birds, right? The idiom is a flight, but but dude, look at a shark or a dolphin. Look, I mean, they're going through water with the same shape as an airplane, basically. I mean, the fins are a little bit smaller, but like in general, it's the same thing. Yeah, and there's these things we call penguins. Yeah. What is that? I mean... Well, they're flightless birds that swim. But they didn't put penguin skin on here. They put shark skin on here. I'm just saying the relevance between birds (laughs) and fish. (laughs) You brought it up. (laughs) They put it on one one plane last year, and it paid for itself. They saw the savings. And uh, it's going to... They've only got 10 planes on this, but it's going to cut CO2 emissions by 11,700 tons. It's going to save them almost 4,000 tons of fuel across their airplanes. Reduces drag by 1%. The jet can go a little faster. Maybe that paint will be an option on your Cybertruck when... Uh, Maybe they can. Tesla hey, you, delivers that to you. you think they'll put that on the X-59, that supersonic jet? It's, my dad was wicked excited we, about that when he heard about it. We might need to make a phone call. I think my dad always wanted to fly on the Concorde. And, you know, it's oh, did gone. he really? Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to fly in there. It's interesting about the noise, too. You can't fly those supersonics. The other thing, too, is Amazon. Amazon sounds like not mind-numbing job working in the Amazon warehouse. Yeah. So they're trying to make it a little bit better for the employees, uh, but it's kind of a mixed uh, situation here. <laughs> yeah. Amazon workers in 20 states, they, it's been, they've gamified it. You can play these different apps, and you can win these things they call swag bucks, where you can buy Amazon-branded gear. You can buy digital pets. You can, you know, do random things. You, you know, nothing amazing. It's kind of like skee-ball tickets, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I, okay I, stuff. It's something to do. But some of these workers said it was dystopian. It reminded them of that episode of Black Mirror where you had to sit, <laughs> sit and collect points. I can see that perspective, um, I, too. I, yeah, I, yeah. I'm going to hate this job, and there's no way you're going to make me have fun while I'm yeah. doing it type of thing, right? <laughs> I, it's I mean, a, if, you're stu- if that's the job you got and you're doing it, have some fun doing it. No, that's a lot of I, companies have been trying to figure out with pick and pack. So it's not just like yeah. Amazon. It's not super dystopian. Our friends over who have, yeah. who have Chuck over at um, – 
Six River. Six yeah. River Systems. They're Popeye. That was Shopify? Someone got it. I think it, it was Shopify. Forget. Yeah. They got it. But they were trying to gamify their chuck and everything, too. I mean, they realized that you got to keep people engaged, and they make less mistakes when they're engaged. And I think the, th- the thinking used to be, like, if they had some sort of distraction like a game, that would just cause more problems. But not the case no, here. not the case. Anyways, yeah. you want stupid news like that? Subscribe to the What the Chalk <laughs> newsletter, freightwaves.com slash WTT. You get it every Tuesday. At 6 p.m. Eastern time. That's right. And then tune in here Wednesdays to find out the message that or the news stories that don't make it into there. Exactly. So you get it both, right? Well, yeah, you got to. I mean, if you don't vary it up, why would someone be like, oh, I don't need the newsletter. I'm just going to talk about no, it. No, you take need it both. From a different You've perspective got to show. have both. And I get to argue with him on the live show about it. Hey, coming up Friday, we're going to talk about how to service a marijuana business, right? Colin Landforce, man, he's doing great work over there in California with his marijuana business. We're also going to talk about mitigating risk. With Glenn Patton and Rick Bridges from Roanoke Trade, Cyber Risk as well. Troy Griggs going to play it forward. He's coming back with an encore. And Alan Adler, Troy Bureau Chief, they'll be here. It's been What the Truck. Thanks for joining us. Tell them what to do. Peace and love, everyone. Peace and love.